I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This edition of How to Be a CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. Jim Shark started in Ben Francis's parents' garage in the Midlands with lessons from his gran on how to sew. Ten years on, the fitness apparel company is a global business valued at one and a quarter billion pounds. Ben is 30 years old. An overnight success story told in hushed whispers at entrepreneur balls. But the real story isn't like that at all. I think Gymshark was about the seventh website that I'd built. Now people look at Gymshark, 10 years old, and they'll pick out all the successes. And I think I look back and I, I always say to people internally that Gymshark is a story of failure. The company's celebrating its first decade with the opening of its first IRL store on Regent Street in London, a brand that's proud to have bloomed on social media, now has a physical presence on an iconic home for retail. We're trying to create an iconic brand, and to create an iconic brand takes tens of years. And what you can't do is only invest in your brand when everything is sunshine and it's rosy, right? You have to consistently, over time, invest in a brand, and that's, that's what we've decided to do here, and we see this as a massive investment in our, in our brand. I'm David Marsden from The Evening Standard. The day before the store opened, we were given a tour by Jim Shark's Mitch Healy, and we're going to give you some of the highlights of that through this show. It's not your everyday shop. But it's rare for Ben to get a moment to reflect on what he's done in 10 years. Just look at his own social media channels to see the brutal hours he works. So when we get some time to have a chat with him, I want to go right back to the beginning. So here we are, Ben, in this new flagship store for Jim Shark on one of the most famous shopping streets in the entire world. Yeah. It's a long way from... <laughs> from yeah. stitching up your own clothes in the garage. Yeah, it's, right. it's so cool to be here. Like to think, I mean, it's our 10, 10 years, we're 10 years old this this year. So to be sat here, like you say, on one of the most iconic streets in Europe, knowing that literally 10 years ago to the day, we was hand stitching and printing product. It's, it's a really cool feeling. Hello, so I'm Mitch. I'm Global IRL Director here at Gymshark. I've been with the brand for eight years. Let's go for a tour. We've designed a space that we can train and trade from. Rather than say, right, let's build a store and then figure out what else we want to do around that. Our approach has always been, let's build a space that allows us to train and trade and is super agile and versatile so we can do with it whatever we'd like to do. This is really interesting because I've not seen this before and I apologise to any store that does have this, but these rails 
these rise up. So this becomes much more than, a, than your normal retail experience, doesn't it? You can come in here and actually effectively interact with the space. Absolutely, yeah. So up in the air there, you've got the roller shutter doors. Shutter doors come down. We can get everything that's on the ground now into this space within 15 minutes. We've got our new custom rig over there where we can, with a push of a button, we can send the product up in the air. We've got fully functioning gym floor there as well. So within 15 minutes, the floor is completely clear, the roller shutters are down, and we've got a completely empty, fully functioning gym space or event space. Was this always the plan for Gymshark? Did you start there on day one and go, at some point we're going to open a store? No, fully enough. I mean, you have dreams, right? You've got an ambition and a dream to take your brand to a certain place. But I actually think one of the things that's really helped us is we've ironically set the bar incredibly low on every single like milestone. And, and what I mean by that is when the business first started, I wanted to make a website that would transact. So that was it, right? A website that will transact and my passion was in fitness. Then it was a case of regular sales. And then it was make our first t-shirt, our first tank, our first hoodie, and then go into women's wear and all these different things. And every single time we just had set a relatively low milestone, hit it and went again. And I think that's been really the really important thing because if we were to sit, sit there 10 years ago and say we want to, create a brand that's going to do X, Y, and Z and have a store on, on Regent Street. You know, it's it's such a far-flung goal from where we were. It's difficult to work out exactly how you're going to get there. So ironically, whilst we had dreams and ambitions, uh, I actually think this, what we've achieved, is larger than what our dreams at the time would have been. What was it that said to you right now is the moment to open this store? In a post-pandemic yeah. world, I mean, you say post-pandemic, I think we agreed to do this during the pandemic, wasn't it? So um, this was a, a very much a gut-led, now commercially things added up for us, but it was a, a gut-led decision. And what I mean by that is we were in London looking for a, an office for our, our London team to work in. And whilst the team were looking for an office, they literally sent me a picture of this street and they said, there's a store available and we think there's something to be done here. And I mean, in typical Gymshark fashion, we were like, listen, the dr that would be a dream, but I didn't think it would be possible. And listen, we, we just went for it and we were massively helped out by the crown. Um, and we know that to be an iconic, iconic global brand, we need a beautiful flagship that, that really, you know, resonates and shows what the Gymshark brand is. Yeah, we decided to go for it and fast forward 12, 18 months, here we are today. So is this about taking opportunities as soon as you see them, like kind of seizing on that. Yeah. Is that is that kind of how you work? Yeah. Here's something that I didn't expect to come up. It's here, let's just do it. Yeah, so it's almost like, so we, we were on, I think a lot of people have heard of this, like a test and learn mentality. So the, the ambition before this, this popped up was, test every single facet of the store. We actually opened up a retail pop-up in Covent Garden and it was closed when the first lockdown happened. We did it for two weeks as a test. We've done studio tests, we've done event tests, we've done all these different tests and this is now the culmination of all of those things. The plan was to do more tests for 12 to 24 months. So we basically ended up being one to two years ahead of schedule when the store came up. But equally, because the opportunity was so huge, it was the perfect store, the perfect size in the perfect location. We thought let's just do it and the thing is people can often zoom into a day a week a month a year and just purely look at that period of time now we're trying to create an iconic brand and to create an iconic brand takes tens of years and what you can't do is only invest in your brand 
when everything is sunshine and it's rosy, right? You have to consistently over time invest in a brand. And that's that's what we've decided to do here. And we see this as a massive investment in our, in our brand. That investment side of things, you know, I've, I've been looking into your background and, and you have consistently said that whenever there was money coming into the company, that always went back into the mm-hmm. company, didn't yeah. it? I mean, you weren't even taking a salary. No, particularly in the early days. No, I don't think we took a salary for a good two years. We literally just... I mean, I still worked at Pizza Hut and was at university in the early days. Uh, yeah, we, you really want the business to be able to grow and to give it, to, for the business to grow, you have to give it every chance to grow and it's growth through reinvestment of profits. And particularly in the first few years, we did that, yeah, quite aggressively. Like you talked about those early days when you were at university, you were delivering pizzas, you were selling car license plates as mm-hmm. well at one point. Yeah. There must have been a huge amount of, of quite frankly, hustle yeah. that went into creating. Them. Yeah, there is. It's. I mean, it's it's a it's a funny one because yeah I think Gymshark was about the seventh website that I'd built. Uh, you're right, I did the license plates with some friends. I did iPhone apps, uh, fitness forums, all these different things. And I mean, I think now people look at Gymshark, ten years old, and they'll pick out all the successes. And I think I look back and I I always say to people internally that Gymshark is a story of failure. So Gymshark only succeeded because of the seven prior failures. Even when we started Gymshark, we actually started drop shipping supplements before we sold apparel and accessories, right? So we failed at supplements and then we tried apparel. I mean, our first ever women's range that we launched was a complete failure, right? So Gymshark has consistently been a story of failure, but the the thing that has really helped us is that we've learned from every single one and we've not let any particular failure define us. Thinking about that though, why was it Gymshark rather than any of those other things that's, that did eventually succeed? Why did this yeah. one? I think it, my, my passion for fitness. Like yeah. Fitness changed my life personally. And I never actually thought this would be somewhere, like if you'd have asked me when I was 14 years old, I probably wouldn't have told you the fitness is where I would be. I actually, growing up, I wanted to be a football player for Villa, but I found out fairly quickly I wouldn't be able to do that. Um, And I just fell in love with it. And quite frankly, I think you have to love what you do, particularly when you're starting a business or running a business, because like logically, it doesn't really make sense. It's so consuming and it's so tough. And there are periods of great, great difficulty. Even in the greatest successes, there'll be periods of really, really difficult times. And the thing that constantly draws you to it is the love for what you do and the, that desire and, and that dedication to, to the cause. And like I said, fitness changed my life, right? It yeah. completely changed my mental health, my physical health, my academic life, all of these things. Um, and for that, I always feel grateful and sort of indebted to the fitness industry. And that's why I, like even now, I do feel like we've got the best job in the world. I, I love what I do every day. So it can't be about the money then. If you're no. starting up your own no. company, it has to be I, yeah. something that you that you personally have passion for. I believe so. I, I think, listen, people are, I'm sure are successful when they chase finances, but I, I've not met anyone succeed over a long period without being driven by passion personally listen they could exist there could be people out there i've personally not seen it and does that get you through those moments when you know burnout might be possible i mean your hours are astonishing but Mm -hmm. 
does knowing that you have kind of a love for the company get you through those really difficult times? Yeah, it does. And it's love for the company. It's love for the people that are part of the business. It's love for the community and the customer that we serve. It's love for the industry. It's all of these things. And um, it certainly does because you're right. The hours are long. It's tough. The, the amount of sacrifices I've personally had to make, my, my family have had to make for the success of Gymshark have been, have been great. And honestly, the individuals that work within Gymshark are so dedicated to the cause and to the business and, I, and i'm really proud of that but it, listen it is tough it's really really tough uh, at the best of times and managing growth is tough but yeah i think the passion and my personal passion for fitness is is definitely what's got me through so what do you want when people walk through these doors right here in front of us these giant doors are head out onto Regent Street, those crowds coming in, people coming into the store, what do you want them to feel the second they step in? I think intrigued is definitely one of them, but also welcome, and we think fitness and conditioning should be for everybody, and we want to make sure that Gymshark removes those barriers and allows people to get into fitness and conditioning, and they feel welcome in our store, whether it be to come and take part in a class, come and find out about the product, come, come and speak to one of our in-store team members just about the brand and its history. Um, yeah, we want to make sure it's welcome and uh, inviting to those who are, who are passing by. These store dummies that yeah. I see around us, these are not usual. They're not the kind of store dummies that you might see in any of the other retail stores down here in Oxford Street. In fact, as soon as you come in, you can see one on a wheelchair. Yeah, that was something that we definitely wanted to, to get across and represent all people inside this store. So... Trying to find the right mannequins was very, very tough to the point where we couldn't do it. So all these mannequins that you see uh, in this area now, these are real people that we use in our campaigns and our shoots. So they're models and athletes and influencers that we work with. We've got them into a studio. We've got them to hold the pose. We've 3D rendered them and now we've had them produced into mannequins. So these are completely bespoke and custom to Gymshark. Right, while Mitch and I are having a mooch around the shelves, let's go to the ads. Hit the follow button on your podcast provider and you'll never miss an episode of How to Be a CEO. Would I look good in leggings? Maybe I'll stick to the hoodies. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. 
So there's a lot of thought gone into how do we create an inviting and presumably commercially successful retail store, but also how do we use it for other things? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so being on, on, on uh, Regent Street, there are certain hours that we can't trade. So, for example, trade won't start until 12 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, which is consistent with the hours from Regent Street. But let's make sure that we use the space before that. Let's get the stuff in the air and work out from here, get the community and do do you know big events on a Sunday morning. So it becomes a destination within itself. We want to create more than just one reason to come to our store. Yes, come and touch, feel, try on the products. But also, what's your other reason for coming to, to, to purchase or come visit a Gymshark store? But that's really interesting because you're using regulations that most people would find really frustrating oh i can't open my store before 12 and i've got this empty space you're like what can we do with it how do the how does this you know uh constraint actually how do we use that to an advantage yeah what are the highlights there because i mean whenever i talk to ceos we always talk about the low lights and the challenges yeah. and all those difficult things is it worth becoming the ceo of your own company oh, God, and yeah. taking it to <clears throat> a global success is, oh. it, is it worth it yeah like i said i feel like we've got the best job in the world it's incredible it's so much fun and i've been able to meet people i never thought i would meet i've been able to go to places i never thought i'd be able to go to like i never thought this would happen right being able to sit in our store on regent street from sewing t-shirts in the midlands is is it's not even something that would have registered 10 years ago to be able to do this now. So, yeah, I think, listen, I feel like I've had a roller coaster of 10 years and I've loved every single second of it. And I, I think if you're doing something that you're really passionate about, even the bad days are better than the good days when you're doing something that you're not passionate about. I really believe that. So, yeah, I do feel like I've got the best, best job in the world. That's not to say it's not difficult, but it's, it's great fun as well. So somebody's sitting there day one mm -hmm. maybe in their garage yeah what do they have to do how what's the first thing what's the most important thing or a mindset what do they need to make a success to make another yeah decision? i think i think there's a few things i think you need to be focused on what you're passionate on uh, about i think you need to you can't allow failures to define you i think there are so many opportunities for you to allow a failure to define you i think you need to find the positive in every every negative that comes as, as the company grows because genuinely like i said jim shark's a story of failure many of the people that i've met that have run great businesses have said exactly the same thing it's probably something that isn't spoken about enough i would say um so dedication to your, your passion uh, ability to learn to, uh, from failure and not allow the, them to uh, define you and listen hard work you have to work incredibly incredibly hard um, because there's always going to be other people that are working super hard as well. So you have to dedicate yourself wholeheartedly to what you do. One thing that's already struck me that I wanted to bring up with you was that this is more than a shop. People aren't just going to be coming in here to buy stuff, are there? Yeah. There's, a, there's the full-on experience yeah. going in here. You've got things like, you know, the, the, the shelves, for want of a better word, rise up. And then mm -hmm. you've got this gym area, don't you? Yeah. Why do that? So... So this, so this store to me is the perfect intersection between community uh, conditioning and retail. So it's a place where if you want to come and do a fitness class in the studio, if you want to go and bench and deadlift upstairs, you can free of charge. And it, for me, it's about getting as many people into fitness uh, as possible, right? If you want to come in and you want to, you know, uh, grab a Joe in the juice and you want to go to an event upstairs, which we're going to be holding regularly as well. And that bring in that community element as well. You can do that. But also you've got the retail element so you can really come and see the Gymshark product. Now, to be at the intersection of those three things is really, really difficult. And it requires a truly flexible space, which is why, like, like you say, you can walk out here. You can hit a button, close, rise up into the ceiling and you've got the gym floor underneath and it becomes a functional gym space. So with a, the press of a button you've got a beautiful gym on one of the most iconic streets in europe and that's something that, that has never been done before and i've never seen a 
truly, truly experiential retail space like what we've built here. And that, again, that's really important to me. This area here, you can think of this space as like our, um, our pop-up within our own store. This is where we'll bring new products to life. And it wouldn't be Gymshark if there wasn't places to take photos. So we'll bring new products live in here. We'll bring photo installations in here as well. Really encouraging the consumer to come in, shop and try on products and take photos as well and enjoy it whilst they're here too. Yeah, I mean, Gymshark started on social media, big on Instagram, big on TikTok. This is part of the brand, isn't it? Having that opportunity to take a selfie. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's key to us. We want our, our community to celebrate the wins, and whether that be in store buying a new product or whether that be hitting the PB in the gym. It's a completely different business model to what we're used to. So we need to completely think about that. We've hired over 100 people specifically to work in and on this store. We have to think about replenishment of stock. We have to think about like hiring all the necessary people to, that make all these things work. So that was a big, big challenge for us from a, from a business perspective. Um, but, but ultimately, like I said, if we zoom out on that 50, 100-year lens, is we think to be a truly global iconic brand, you have to operate not just online but offline too. And we've done events for years and years and years and it really felt like the right time for us to have that permanent community hub and where better to do that than again in in the center of london why is that aspect of stuff important? because you have run lots of events in the past uh-huh. and you have had a physical presence despite starting effectively as a digital company yeah why is that important what does it bring oh, i think personally i'm just a massive fan of face-to-face interaction i think there's lots of different things one i think people can really connect with a brand and understand what a brand is about um I think there's so much going on where people are talking about data and how important data is in a business. But some of the, uh, like you know, conversations that I've had with consumers or members of our community at our events, like they've been some of the biggest lessons that I've learned, both personally but also about you know the brand and things that we should offer. So, some of the best, I guess, product research you can do isn't going in and looking at market sizes and what's working well and what isn't working well for other people. It's having a conversation with someone that interacts with and uses your product and, and you know works with the brand. Because I'm just going to be stood there watching what people are picking up, asking people what they think. And it's it's more important to know what they don't like and what you can do better than what they do like. And I think that's, that's really exciting for me. So you've done it. You've opened up a, a massive flagship store on mm-hmm. Regent Street. You've created a very large multinational company. Mm-hmm. Is this store now the, the close of phase one and entering into phase two? Is this a new era? What's what's next? What's the next ambition? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think what we need to do is we need this store to, to run really, really well. And we're not naive enough to think that everything that we're going to do here is perfect. Going back to that, like, you know, leaning into failure is if, if the store looks the same in 12 months that it does today, then one of two things happened. Either we got every single facet of the store 100% right. In brackets, that won't happen. That can't happen. I would think we'd be absolutely, we'd have a magic wand to be able to achieve that. Uh, or we haven't listened to the consumer and we haven't adjusted the store as a result of that. So we're really, really conscious to make sure that's perfect and nailed. Uh, we obviously want to grow the brand globally as well. We've got a US office. We want to grow in the States as well. Uh, we want to be super strong in the UK. But yeah, it's all about really continuing to grow our brand and ultimately build the best product that we possibly can. Are we going to see stores in New York, in, in Berlin? Where... I mean, that would be a dream come true. I think, listen, if this one went well, we'd be stupid not to do more. But all the focus has to be on getting this right right now. That was Ben Francis from Gymshark. Head to standard.co.uk forward slash business for more interviews, news, analysis and features or pick up the Evening Standard newspaper. New episodes of How to Be a CEO drop first thing every Monday morning. We'd love to see you again then.
Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.